eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Big Time Baseball, brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class. This is Josh Lewin, alongside well-respected baseball insider John Heyman. You guys probably know the drill by now. We bring you insight into the top storylines across baseball, the latest insight. Of course, we don't have to do trade deadline nonsense anymore. That's all gone, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the, uh, the residue. We'll get to the fallout here. We've got... Tori Lavallo stopping by, Arizona's manager. Arizona's still in it, by the way. And uh, Indians play-by-play voice Tom Hamilton will come by as well. Big Time Baseball, part of Radio.com, allows you to listen free of charge to your favorite radio uh, radio stations anytime, anywhere. And I want to dive right in here, John. Now that we're past the trade deadline and and there was all the, the hustle that we knew would be there right at the very end. But I don't think you saw it. I know I didn't see it. This Zach Greinke thing uh, just just a whole new universe to ponder now because he'll combine with Verlander and Cole to give Houston the this killer one two three they've got Altuve back swinging like Altuve now are the Astros a lock or just close to a lock <laughs> well I know some people are going to say that but I don't believe in that I don't think there are locks I think they're excellent I thought they were the favorite going in I think they're a strong favorite now uh but I you know there are no locks in baseball I'm going to stick with my original prediction of Dodgers over Astros. All right, so let me throw this at you. One small uh, fly in the ointment, I guess you could say. I hate that phrase, but I just said it anyway. Uh, (laughs) Zach Greinke, career at at Yankee Stadium, both versions of Yankee Stadium. In the Bronx, his ERA is about 10. Does not pitch well there. He's probably going to have to pitch there at least once. And home field advantage suddenly is kind of a thing. I mean, the Astros are 41-15 and at home. The Yankees are 42-18 and at home. Obviously, both a lot worse on the road. So uh, I think whoever gets that victory, right? I mean, it's a small victory, but maybe an important victory if you're simply the best team in the American League by September 29th. Houston has not looked good at Yankee Stadium at all. Now, obviously, this was before getting Granky, and you mentioned his 10 ERA at Yankee Stadium. I think this was part of the uh, 
equation that the Yankees considered when they thought about should we try for Granky? Well, Granky, first of all, has the Yankees and a lot of other big market teams on his no trade list. He didn't have the Astros. And I don't know whether it's because he didn't mind going to the Astros or what, but I can remember hearing and even tweeting a year ago that the Astros had shown interest. I'd forgotten that now leading up to the deadline. I should have remembered that, but I can recall some of the same prospects, Corbin Martin and some of the others that went in that trade. So turned out to be quite an interesting development. Uh, you know, I, I think that home field makes a big difference. Houston looks really good, but again, not a lock. Let's talk about those Yankees from the files of we can't have nice things. Uh, every single time it looks like they turn the corner on injuries. Uh, you know, I mean, Saturday they lose Encarnacion and Hicks. Sunday they decide Torres has like a core issue that they're going to check out. Urshela keeps just dive-bombing foul balls off of his shins. He goes down you know, like a wet sack of cement in, in the batter's box, and everybody's worried about him. First of all, Urshela hitting cleanup. Let's just talk about that for a second. I mean, this is a guy that had 40 at-bats with Toronto last year, hit 220 for maybe the best team in the American League. If it's not the, the Astros, it's the Yankees. And, and you've got Glaber Torres, who I, I need to point this out. You look at the, the single-A team for the Yankees in Tampa, half of their roster is older than Glaber Torres. So, I mean, maybe we lose sight of that sometimes. The guy's 22 and tearing it up. Where do you make the, the, the Yankees stand right now? I mean, I know their rotation's a mess. I mean, their July ERA from their starting rotation, John, is over six. And in June, it was five and three quarters. But they just keep spackling over every problem that they have. It, it's amazing. Yeah, people will say, you know, it helps to have a $200 million-plus payroll. But they've really done a terrific job. Urshela, that came out of nowhere. Just a pickup for nothing uh, late last summer. Nobody even noticed it. Uh, they saw something. Uh, Voight, same thing. Now, he hasn't been as great as Urshela lately, but Voight, of course, is another guy who's gotten hurt. They've been in double digits on the injured list uh, basically the whole year. Uh, they've been one of the two most unlucky teams in terms of injury, the other one being the Angels, uh, really, really have been hit hard. Obviously, the terrible, terrible tragedy they had there, but they've also had many injuries. But not like, I mean, the Yankees, uh, it's really a terrific job. Aaron Boone's done a terrific job. Brian Cashman, you have to give him credit. Torres, which I tweeted uh, this week that that was the greatest trade in Major League Baseball history from both sides because the Cubs broke a 108-year jinx, which is incredible, obviously, one of the greatest World Series victories ever. And Torres, the Yankees, got a superstar. Everybody always pointed to the Smoltz for Doyle Alexander trade, and those of us are old enough to remember that. Still uh, look at that as an, a great trade, but let's not forget, Doyle Alexander did not lead uh, the Tigers to a World Series championship, and Chapman did lead the Cubs to not only a World Series championship, but a historic one. And Torres, 22 years old, looks like a superstar going forward. Now, he, there is a concern now when they say core injury, that gets to be very nerve-wracking, especially they're going to Baltimore. He has absolutely tormented the Orioles this year, but... Uh, you know, if they lose him, that would be, you would think, a devastating blow. But uh, the initial prognosis seems to be okay, not terrible. Well, and that's the thing. The Yankees are now 14 and a half up on Boston, and they get their next two weeks against only Toronto and Baltimore. Let's talk about Boston. From, from dirty water to dead in the water is basically the, the anthem coming out of Boston right now. And, John, what's interesting to me and disappointing to me, because I'm, I'm a Red Sox guy now, uh, you know, this team just looks like it collapsed 
since the deadline passed on Wednesday when Dombrowski didn't make an addition and basically, you know, sat in front of the microphones and said, hey, we're, we're going forward with what we got. You know, we, we're going to love what we have. The Sox have been outscored 43-21 to 21 since he said, I trust you guys. So that's just a horrible statement coming from the players. Terrible, terrible. I mean, uh, I think they're dead in the water, whether it be Rice and Eckersley, the hangover, uh, the lack of a bullpen. Uh, I think that's probably the prime reason. Uh, obviously, they've gotten not quite the same years from their stars. That's been another factor. But, uh, you know, when they start talking about uh, maybe we'll only play Sweet Caroline uh, when we're winning, I think they're just biding time now. Uh, let, let me do a quick point-counterpoint with you sure. here. Uh, just because I, I look at the, the alpha issue here, not as the bullpen, but as that rotation. Because at this point last year, the team ERA from that rotation was three and a half. This year, it's north of five. So that's a, not only is that an extra run and a half you've got to navigate, and you're asking those hitters to try to overcome, but that just stretches out that bull. I think that's why the bullpen is, has been in such horrible shape, is they've just had to do too much. Yeah, I mean, Chris Sale was the best pitcher in the league for the first half of the season last year. And uh, by the end of the season, he was one of the top four or five pitchers in the league at the very worst. And uh, this year, he has struggled uh, in seemingly two-thirds of his starts. He's had some dominating starts, but uh, this has not been him. He's been very frustrated, and that's a killer. When you have an ace pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball, who has really below average stats, uh, it's tough to recover from that. And obviously, Price has had his moments as well. And, uh, you know, the signing of Evaldi has not worked out. I never quite got that one. I think we've been over that one a few times. I mean, he was a hero. It, looked, it felt like they were just rewarding him for the heroic World Series that he had. Uh, you know, he's probably a bullpen piece, which they've now got him as. And, and he, as a bullpen piece, you're not worth $17 million a year, no matter who you are at this point. Hey, did I win point-counterpoint? Uh, you might that, have. Wow. You're, well, you know Boston. You know Boston better than I do, so you okay. had some good points there. John, yeah. you ignorant slut. Uh, let, <laughs> let's ask you this one now. The, uh, the A's or the Rays, who's more well-built for a, a push into the playoffs here between those two? Yeah. I always like the A's. You know, I think the Rays do a fantastic job, and I think of the A's as the West Coast version of the Rays, but they are always a great second-half team. They have a great mindset to never take that pedal off the metal the uh, uh, metal off the pedal, whatever the expression is. I think Melvin is just a terrific, terrific manager. Uh, I think they get the most out of their people. I guess people would say that about the Rays too, but I, I love Oakland going forward. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Let me ask you about the NL Central here, just to shift gears a little bit, because the Cubs look like they could pull away. You Darvish is starting to pitch up to his contract here, and the whole year it's like the Cubs have been – They've been healthy enough. They just haven't really been up to the sum of their parts, right? I mean, their bullpen, I know, is, is a little shaky. But the, the offense has been fine, just not super fine. You know, it's not like Boston great. It's just kind of Chicago good. So uh, Castellanos gets a chance to play right away. We'll see about the Contreras injury. But uh, the Cubs, having just taken Milwaukee uh, out behind the shed, this past weekend. I mean, it sure looks like the Cubs in that division, but are we sleeping on Milwaukee or St. Louis if we just pronounce or announce that it's going to be the Cubs? Yeah, I'm sleeping on them, and I don't think I'm going to regret it at this point. I think the Cubs are the best of the three teams. The Brewers just haven't gotten that pitching uh, that they needed. Uh, they picked up a small piece in Pomerantz. Felt like they needed more than that. St. Louis, I don't blame them for doing nothing. They have a history of bad trades, bad signings. They draft spectacularly, and seem to rely on that to stay 
competitive and hasn't gotten them in the playoffs in recent years. They, they have not felt like a great team. It's almost shocking to me that they were in first place there for a while. Uh, I felt like their lone all-star was just put there to represent the Cardinals. I, I love DeYoung as a player, but, uh, you know, they needed a representative. And that's not the Cardinals. They have more talent than that. They should be better than that. Uh, it's still surprising to me that they're as close as they are. Uh, the Cubs, I think, should run away with it. I mean, obviously, you've had a couple injuries uh, that have hurt them. but uh, And Contreras may be, may be out for a little while. But uh, you got to feel good about the Cubs. I think Theo Epstein was aggressive, as he always is, despite not having great prospects to trade. Came away with Castellanos. Before that, they signed Kimbrell. I know he's been up and down a little. I think he'll get it straightened out. And, uh, yeah, it feels like it's going to be that, the Cubs division there. So if we go to the NL East, I am suddenly intrigued, if not amazed, by the <laughs> Mets. I, I got to admit this. Maybe it's just kind of some, uh, some, some false positives here, right? I mean, they, they just played a, a bunch of teams who aren't very good at all. They're going to get the Marlins now for a little bit, but after that it gets real. Rosario suddenly in the second half is what they thought he would be all along. Uh, J.D. Davis all of a sudden is a great player. Seth Lugo was a National League reliever of the month. They're 29% now in terms of uh, will they make the playoffs. That's the highest they've rated since May 15th. The, the theory I guess I've been going with, John, and, and I'm interested to hear your opinion of this, even if the Mets get close, let's say they finish, I don't know, three or four games out of the playoffs, Brody Van Wagenen can then turn to Jeff Wilpon and say, hey, you know what, if it hadn't been for a couple bad breaks, if Cespedes would have been here, we would have won. And, and Jeff Wilpon goes, yeah, yeah, we're totally on the right track, yeah. So it's almost like, to me, they don't even need to make the playoffs. That would be a happy bonus. But, if, you know, if they end up 87 wins and 75 losses and they came real close and September baseball was relevant, it's like everybody gets to stand around and pat themselves on the back. Is that a, a halfway decent theory? Yeah, halfway. Maybe they can halfway pat themselves on the back. I, you know, I think it's still going to be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. They're going to be seen as a tease. You know, Mets fans, uh, they feel tormented, and I, and I get it. Uh, you know, I, I, I give them credit. They did the right thing at the deadline. They, we all thought they were going to be sellers. In fact, they said they were going to be sellers. They were out there shopping, Syndergaard and Wheeler. It looks like they did the right thing at this point to not do that, to keep Syndergaard, certainly to keep Wheeler as well, to keep that great rotation, actually pick up Stroman to trade two more prospects and do that. Um, you know, they look like a threat now in that uh, race where there's mediocrity is going to be rewarded. Uh, they can easily make it. And, uh, you know, I think they did the right thing. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, though, I think people are going to be disappointed in New York. You've been here. You know how it is. Yeah, no, I know. I just, but, you know, realistically, <laughs> I'm looking at this team that was just, you know, so, know. you talk about dead in the water. I mean, they, they, they stunk like a herring. Amazing. I know. And I still have concerns of certainly uh, Cano now with a hamstring uh, and th that trade. You know, it's really that trade. Diaz has really not been reliable at all. And, uh, of course, they tried to trade him, but uh, nobody really wanted him for anything close to the value that the Mets paid. I mean, even if they had traded him 50 cents on the dollar, they might have done that, but they weren't able to get anywhere near that. And I think that's still a concern. Lugo's been fantastic in his stead. Obviously, Alonzo's been terrific. McNeil's been terrific. And you're right, J.D. Davis, very pleasant surprise. So it wasn't all a loss. Some of their moves worked out. Better make the playoffs. Let me keep it in that division for a sec, John. Uh, Nick Markakis for the Braves is out until, could be late September, because of that fractured wrist. And there's a lot of fractured wrists, by the way, this year. Hit-by-pitches are up 
They've been up for a couple of years. Uh, but meantime, Atlanta's getting it done here. Mike Soroka continues to get the ground balls and, and get zeros on the scoreboard. Is Atlanta absolutely the team that's going to win that division, or could Philly make a run? Could Washington still get this done? Yeah, I think Atlanta's the team. They have their great nucleus. They did it last year. I, I didn't believe in them. It was my bad. Uh, you know, they're not a perfect team, but in that division where, where you've got three more teams that are pretty good but flawed, they are the least flawed of the teams. They've got youth on their side. Acuna is an absolute superstar. Soroka, you mentioned, terrific. Let me bounce real quick to the AL West, which we all know is going to be Houston uh, to, to win this thing. But, uh, you, you know, they get Granky. We talked about that. I think maybe quietly the Martin Maldonado pickup. Obviously, Aaron Sanchez, that one is not under the radar anymore since the combined no-hitter. Uh, a guy like Joe Biagini, you know, that is kind of that typical, we see something in you, we're Houston, we'll fix you. you right? I mean, it just kind of smells like that right now. Right. So Houston, I'm not talking about the AL West. Of course, they're going to win the division. But uh, with what they have right now, and, and by the way, something they also have is a chip on their shoulder because it did not work out last year. Uh, is this just kind of like, all right, let, let's make our hotel plans for late October as well as early October? Well, I mean, they're certainly favored in, the, in that league. But, uh, you know, I just don't believe in any guarantees in baseball. Anything can happen. I give them credit. They, they were a team that was considered uh, really reluctant uh, to give up any prospects. And then they did it to get Verlander. Now, that was a lot of money trade as well. But uh, they gave up three good prospects to get Verlander. That worked out spectacularly. Won them a World Series. And I don't know, maybe they learned a lesson from that. But they really went for it this year. Uh, they felt they had the best team, I think, uh, along with the Yankees. And they took that step forward and give them credit. They beefed up the bullpen, which needed it. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're very good on the back end with Presley and Ozuna. But they needed a little extra help in that bullpen. Biagini will help. Their, their rotation wasn't deep. And now they've added, obviously, a star in Granke and potential star in Sanchez who had those blister problems forever. Other teams were looking at him as a reliever, but I mean, Houston, they know their pitching. They've done well with the pitching. Garrett Cole has become, again, a star there. Uh, Verlander has been at his best in his late 30s there. Uh, they've done a great job, and uh, I think we all expect anyone who goes there is going to do well, and they've got good pieces we're going to have Tom Hamilton on in a bit to talk AL Central and, uh, more pointedly, his Cleveland Indians. But uh, real quick, John, let, let's talk about the other team that we're looking at in the Central, your Minnesota Twins. But, but the Indians got to within a game of the lead in that division last weekend, and the Twins ripped off six wins in seven games. Nelson Cruz, a pair of three home run games, basically in a week. They could break the, the Yankees' all-time record that they set just last year by the end of this month. I mean, still have September just as like a tack-on at that point. So uh, let's talk Minnesota before we get in deep with Cleveland later in the podcast. Is Minnesota absolutely a playoff team, or do they still have work to do? Yeah, they're a playoff team. Uh, the reason I felt they would hang on is that uh, their schedule looked a lot better than Cleveland's going forward. And I applaud the Indians for what they were able to do to thread that needle, to trade Bauer, and not take too big a step backward. But it's still a little bit of a step backward to trade arguably your best starter. I guess that depends how Kluber looks coming back, but Clevenger's good too, but uh, arguably their best starter. Uh, so they took a little small step back. Minnesota has been beating up on the other teams in that division, as well they should, 
And uh, I felt with that schedule the way it is that they'd be able to hang on. It got a little dicey there. It may get dicey. Uh, yeah, I think Minnesota not only makes the playoffs, but wins that division. All right, we talked about every division except the NL West, and that's why Tori Lavallo is coming on. Tori Lavallo next to the table here. Let's talk Arizona through a lot of ups and downs. Two and a half out in the wild card, meaning they're with everybody. Everybody's about two and a half out in the wild card. So how are you feeling about things, Tori? I mean, obviously, we'll get to the Zach Greinke trade in a moment, but with what you got, how do you feel? Well, of course, we got to feel good about where we're at. You know, if you told me in in February we first started spring training that we'd be two and a half games out of a wild card spot first week of August, I'd sign up for that. Of course, we we hope there was a different story. We believe that we had a, a great team, but this is where we're at, and we're proud of that. We we are right in the middle of a group of teams that are competing um, for that wild card position, and we got a long way to go. But as far as how do I like where we're at, I love it. I believe in these guys. We made some personnel changes. I think we added in some really key guys. And it's up to them, and it's up to us, and up to me to, to push us in the right direction. Hey, Tori, uh, John Haven here. I know you were expecting the team to make some trades. I know Robbie Ray's name was mentioned a lot publicly. You probably heard more about Granke uh, than we did. Uh, but uh, now that it's happened, uh, how, how do you feel the team has responded? Uh, Mike Hazen, I understand the GM talked to the team. Uh, how are you dealing with the loss of Granky, and how has the team uh, dealt with the loss of Granky? Yeah, well, you know, you have that 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 deadline um, anxiety. Every team has it, and you know, every every everybody feels it on some level. Whether it's a team that's not competing, that's going to be giving up their best players, or a team that is, that's going to be having a, a group join them, and uh, everybody pays attention to it. And, you know, obviously the names that get circulated and thrown around are always different than the ones that end up getting traded. Uh, Mike did a great job. Um, you know, I feel like I worked for the best GM in baseball, and he, you know, I gave him input. I, I asked him for, you know, for a little bit more time. And he, I don't know what position he took at the end of each conversation, but obviously um, he believes in us to the level where he made some great adjustments. And, um, you know, losing Zach Greinke was a huge huge blow for us but in return we got two two wonderful pitchers you know one on the other side of his career who's really pitching well and um has been doing it at a high level uh, for a long time and on the other end of the spectrum a very young prospect that's that's joining us with a ton of potential so we cover both ends of the spectrum we know that you can't replace Zach Granke but we added in some very key components and we look to compete as we keep moving forward Tori, when someday, 20 years from now, somebody asks you about your time with Zach Greinke, what do you figure is going to stick most with you? I mean, the fact that he came right out and said it would basically be a big headache to, to eventually pitch a no-hitter. To me, that's like the most telling <laughs> Zach Greinke quote you could ever have. But what, what did you learn, I guess, is the question uh, with all your time around Zach? I know that I'll get asked this question, and the reason why I, I think I will is I believe that, that I got a chance to manage a Hall of Famer, um, and he's got numbers that are racing towards that. Uh, I think 3,000 strikeouts are, are within his reach. Uh, he's got a tremendous body and a lot of life left in, in, his, in his right arm. But the beauty of Zach is what I would probably speak about most, and that's the incredible um, teammate that he became, the open and honest communicator that helped friendships develop. And, you know, personally speaking, you know, he was, he was one of the core guys that I turned to and leaned on for the opinions that, 
that, that mattered most. Uh, he helped me become a better manager. I trusted what he was saying. It was so honest. And um, my relationship with him developed into something that was very strong and trustworthy. And I can't say enough good things about the person that he is. The picture is going to speak for itself. But the person was, was a tremendous delight for me to get to know uh, and manage for the amount of time that I did. Yeah, I agree. I, I only say good things about Zach Greinke. I mean, I'm not the guy managing him, obviously, but uh, you find him very candid. He's very entertaining. Uh, it's amazing how entertaining it is that he's so candid. But I thought that trade was fantastic. I can't believe the prospect haul that you got, uh, even considering the amount of money that was sent uh, across town. I know you have a, uh, a lot of to pay attention to there at the major league level. But uh, what did you think of uh, the job that Hazen did here, getting uh, Rojas and Buskaskis and uh, Martin uh, and Beer? And then also you alluded to Gallon earlier. What, what have you seen from him so far? What do you know about him? Well, the, the, the younger, younger kids I have, um, I haven't got a chance to get my arms around. I know that they're loaded with potential. I know that they're performing in our system right now. One, unfortunately, is recovering from Tommy John. I got a chance to meet him and, and um, spent a few minutes with him a couple days ago. But we're super excited about the group that's brought in. And, you know, what's funny to me, and, and uh, maybe ironic, I would say not funny, is that things are starting to overlap a little bit with what I remember taking place in Boston. Um, the team competing at the big league level, doing, doing, doing its best job every single day, and then building from within and making a very, very um, um, powerful and strong player development system that became the backbone of what the, what the Red Sox did over the past couple of years, that, which include a world championship. So, um, there's some architects inside of our front office that are making something special happen here every single day that is seen at the big league level. And then underneath, there's this undercurrent that's going to become very powerful here in a couple of years. And that, I'm super excited about that. And that includes Zach Gallon. Um, Zach Gallon came, came on very strong. Uh, we just got done playing Miami in a four-game series. And luckily, as we were game planning and preparing, we were very fortunate we didn't get a chance to face him. We, were, we felt like we dodged a bullet there because – He's in a real good spot, and getting into our system, we feel like he's going to become a better pitcher as he develops and matures with each inning that he throws. So overall, the, the job that our front office did, to me, was off the charts. Um, you know, and a lot of reasons, the obvious ones, I don't really concern myself with, um, such as slashing payroll. What, that, that's, that's not my department, but I know it's setting up for today, and I know that it's setting up for a very bright future. And setting up for a heck of a wild card race that the Diamondbacks are absolutely in. Tori, thank you, buddy. Always great catching up with you. Good luck to your guys. Likewise, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Very cool. That's Tori Lavello. Tom Hamilton of the Cleveland Indians joins us in just a moment. The wonderful radio play-by-play -play voice of the Cleveland Indians is, of course, Tom Hamilton. 28 freaking seasons now, so he's pretty much seen it all in that Cleveland radio booth, including, and I guess you, you were kicked out of your actual booth, Hambone, but uh, it, you, you guys had yourselves a, a nice little all-star game there. I thought the city came off incredibly well. What, what did you think? Yeah, thank you, Josh, and uh, good to be with you and John. And, yeah, I, I, I think the same thing. I mean, uh, I know the players that you talked to were really pleased with how they were treated and how the city um, – gave them their, their due respect, if that's the right terminology, and that, you know, they weren't constantly hounded, and yet people were excited to have them here. And 
Um, you know, it, it was a fun event. We caught a break weather-wise. You know, it was like 80 degrees with no humidity. So that that made it nice. And for the Indians fans, it was huge that, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, above everything else, Alex Cora, you know, you talk about a guy that really gets it. Uh, the Red Sox manager, you know, made sure that all the Indians got to play. You know, Shane Bieber was an acquisition to the roster on basically the Friday before the All-Star game, and yet Alex made sure that, that he pitched in that game and ends up winning the MVP honors. So I thought Alex Cora really did a great job of, of making sure the hometown folks saw their players. But uh, it was a fun night, the home run derby contest. I mean, Vlad Guerrero put on a show that not too many people will ever forget. So, you know, those are the good moments in baseball, and, and we need to relish those, that's for sure. Hey, Tom, uh, John Heyman here. Uh, you had an interesting uh, trade deadline your team did. I, I never thought uh, they'd be able to thread that needle and trade Trevor Bauer for things that can help them now and later. They may have taken a small step back this year, uh, but it seems to be pretty well received in Cleveland. Uh, so I thought I'd ask you, how is it received in Cleveland and how is it received in the clubhouse? Because some, some people would be upset that they took a little step back. But, you know, overall... Obviously, uh, they probably did what's smart for the franchise. Yeah, John, I mean, I know I'm pretty partial since I work for the ball club, but I don't know of a better front office or a sharper front office than Antonetti and Mike Chernoff. I mean, it's not easy to do what they do. Um, And I'm not saying it's easy in any market, but it's a lot easier if you're able to spend $200 million a year on a payroll and if you make a mistake, you just kind of write it off and, you know, whatever. Um, if the Indians make those kind of financial mistakes, you know, it's devastating as far as the consequences. So they've got a budget that they have to follow. You know, it's not a, a big budget by baseball terms anymore. But yet somehow Chris and Cherney uh, continue to thread that needle and keep this ball club relevant. And I think the biggest thing, John, was – they can't, in their minds, afford to have a five- to seven-year rebuild like some ball clubs are going through. Because if you do that, you'll completely lose this fan base. So they're right now in their fourth consecutive playoff-type year. I mean, they've won the division three straight years. They may win it again this year, and if not, get into the playoffs potentially as a wild card. That's hard to do in a market this size with the revenue constraints you have. And yet it's not coming to an end because of what they've been able to do. I think you're looking at another four to five years where this club is very playoff relevant. And if you get into the playoffs, the more times you can get in there, the more times you have a chance to win that world series, because we see it time and time again, seldom does the best team going into the playoffs end up winning the world series, which makes our game so much more fun. Yeah, that is so true. And uh, to talk about other sports, by the way, as everybody in Cleveland, and I know, is getting so excited about the Browns, uh, and probably for good reason, in come a couple guys who look like they should be on the Cleveland Browns. You guys bring in Yasiel Puig and Framil Reyes. In terms of charisma alone, I mean, I can't remember a day in baseball where one team got that much in terms of talking point. You know what I'm saying, Tom? I mean, th- those are two mammoth individuals who are fascinating to watch play. Well, that's a good point, Josh, and I, I didn't even fully answer John's question from the standpoint 
Um, one, the fans were excited about the additions. Not that people here didn't like Trevor Bauer, but the the fact that you bring in those kind of bats. I mean, Yasiel Puig, everyone knows he's a two-month rental. But you also know you're going to get the very best two months that Yasiel Puig has to give. He is trying to establish his market value. And what better way to do that than be on your best behavior and do what he's been doing since he got here? Um, I mean, you haven't seen a guy play harder than Yasiel has played, and I think you'll see that the rest of the way. He wants to be on the big stage. He's been on the big stage and thrived in it in the World Series with the Dodgers, and and that will help him down the road. From Neil Ross, you know, it was devastating if you talk to the Padres players to lose his presence in their clubhouse. He may have been their most popular player, and he's got that unique ability, and I think it's really unique. When you have a Latin American kid who is able to basically lead a clubhouse with his personality, his willingness, and his ability to learn the English language, to make fun of himself, to do interviews, to just have fun. I mean, he's that gregarious personality that can help galvanize a clubhouse, and I think that's why it was so well-received. And to add a final note to that, Trevor Bauer's last actions in Kansas City while impressive that you can throw a baseball over 400 feet and hit the batter's eye above the center field wall, that was not received well by his teammates. And uh, Tito said on one of our pregame shows, you know, he was concerned that Trevor had lost a segment of the clubhouse. Now, whether Trevor agrees with that or not, I will tell you this, it hasn't had any negative impact on the clubhouse, the fact he's gone. Wow, very interesting, Tom. Uh, you know, I want to ask you about uh, a couple of your other pitchers. Uh, Bauer, obviously incredibly talented, and uh, that was quite a toss by him. But uh, Shane Bieber uh, has really come on, obviously, All-Star Game MVP. Uh, Plesak, who's the nephew of a guy I work with over at MLB Network, uh, Dan Plesak and Clevenger, seems to really uh, be showing some great stuff lately. Uh, uh, this looks like the makings of, of a great rotation, even without Bauer. What do you think? I agree, and, and uh, I think Tito uh, gave uh, Shane Bieber the ultimate compliment after Sunday's game, John, and that, you know, he compared him to the early stages of Corey Kluber, and I don't know how much higher a compliment you can get. I mean, this guy's won two Cy Youngs, but the comparison has to do with watching him evolve because of his work ethic, because of him being fastidious, to a routine. That's what every young pitcher has learned from Corey Kluber. No one is more religious to his regimen and routine. When Corey Kluber plays catch every day, guys, he plays catch for a purpose, not just to warm up, not just to get his arm loosened. When he plays catch, he is playing catch for a purpose. And that is all part of that routine that has made him the kind of pitcher he has been to to this point. And the other guys have followed that. I think the Indians' rotation does something very unique. At least I haven't seen it in my time in Cleveland. But when it's your side day to throw your bullpen, all the other members of the rotation are out there watching you. And it's just another set of eyes to watch you, to help you, to see if they pick up on anything. And also just the camaraderie that, hey, we're all in this together. We're going to be out here with you during your side session. And that has carried over to Shane Bieber. 
you mentioned Zach Plesak. This kid, this kid still doesn't isn't even a finished product yet, but he's got a chance to be a dominant front end of the rotation guy. They're going to bring up another youngster from their system, Aaron Savali, who is going to take the spot of Danny Salazar, who after two years of being injured looked awful the other night. He's back on the injured list with a groin injury and probably will never pitch again for the Indians. So if it weren't, I, guys, I can't think of another club in baseball that could lose Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, and Mike Clevenger for most of the season and be in the position that this club is in, but it's because of their ability to develop and bring up young starting pitching, and that's why this window of opportunity has a, a, a pretty good future to it. Fascinating team, and they've got a wonderful radio voice. You just heard him, Tom Hamilton. Hambone, great catching up, buddy. Let, let's do it again soon, and, uh, and thanks for everything. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much, Josh, and thank you, John. All right, that is Tom Hamilton. 28 years in that chair has uh, sounded great in every single one of them. More to come in just a moment. The latest insight across Major League Baseball with John Heyman. That's why he's here, one of the game's best insiders. So uh, if we look at the Yankees right now, John, and their pile of injuries, is there any good news at all on the horizon? Because we've already talked about the bad news. Well, uh, Severino is going to uh, make his way back to the mound later this week, so that is a positive. Batanzas is said to be a little bit behind him, so we'll see about that. That's uh, kind of in the middle, and uh, so that would help them greatly. That's their biggest problem, of course, of pitching. Uh, the other issue, of course, is Giancarlo Stanton, uh, who still isn't doing baseball activity. Uh, we don't want to put him in the Ellsbury class yet, but uh, it looks like the potential for a wasted year could be there. Just been too many injuries. It's been a myriad of injuries for Stanton at this point. The whole team has been decimated, but Severino and Batanzas, if they can make it back, that'd be a huge plus. So let me ask you this about the Yankees. The way I look at it is, I, I mean, I, I kind of put it like if we were in third grade, okay, and there's a row of classrooms, and if everybody does good work, the teachers say, we're going to give you a pizza party. If you guys just behave yourselves and do what you're supposed to do and, and you know, work up to your capabilities, we're all going to have a pizza party. And in, in a lot of classrooms up and down that third grade hall, everybody did their work, so there was pizza because that's, that's what the teacher promised. And in Mr. Cashman's classroom, I think that class did exemplary work. So I say, where's the freaking pizza? Why didn't they go out and, and reward these Yankees who have just scratched and clawed and overachieved with all the injuries? Why? Did, I mean, doesn't that kind of send a poor message from that teacher, if you will, that, yeah, you know, we could have done reinforcements, could have done a pizza party. We just said, nah, we ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was shocking that they didn't uh, help that pitching staff. I think we all said they needed rotation help, but they said it. Uh, in fact, they were trying to get bullpen pieces. I heard they came very close. There was a medical issue with somebody they were very close to dealing with uh, and getting. Uh, that hurt them. But I think they still needed to get somebody. That's not an excuse. They had the pieces to do it. I know they don't have quite the prospect stash they've had in the past. But uh, Davey Garcia was uh, well-liked by other teams. Uh, Frazier and Andujar, I, th I think, still both have... Uh, value. And Frazier is not a guy who's fitting in in New York. Look, they called up Talkman, they've called up Mabin, and they've let Frazier stay down there. So obviously, uh, 
there's something about him that they don't love. And I think they could have turned him into something. I know that they had talks about uh, Robbie Ray uh, and Frazier was the uh, main piece that was going to go, but uh, it was supposedly Frazier plus three others. Now, Arizona claims that's not the case. That's not true. But whatever the reason is, uh, the Yankees weren't able to do anything at the deadline. I think this hurts them. And what hurts them more is that their main competition, which is now Houston, uh, did more than anybody else. I think that's the biggest problem. So as we anoint Houston as maybe the, the grand champion winner of the trade deadline, uh, who else at least made the cut for consideration? Atlanta? Who, who else would you say really won? Yeah, you know, Houston, I agree with you. Houston is the grand champion. Not only did they get the biggest piece in Zach Greinke, uh, surprising us all, getting a future Hall of Famer, uh, they got depth too, right? They added Biagini and Sanchez. They added a catcher, Maldonado. So hats off to Houston for doing a terrific job. But their big trading partner, uh, the D-backs, I think they're a winner as well because uh, I think they are realistic. They're not really a World Series contender. Yeah, sure, they're in the kind of bottom of that uh, funny uh, wild card race in the National League. But I think they were smart and uh, they dealt Granke at the right time at a high point. Uh, they saved $53 million out of the $77 million to go, which I didn't, never thought they'd be able to do. And while doing that, they still got four great prospects, not middling prospects, really top 10 on a team prospects. And Houston has good prospects. So I thought Arizona was a huge winner, uh, maybe overshadowed by the trading partner Astros, but I thought they were a huge winner. I also like what Atlanta, you mentioned Atlanta. I like what they did. They got two relievers, which is what they needed to do. They got to give the Cubs credit with Castellanos. And uh, of course they had Kimbrell earlier than that. And I think the A's do fantastic for a team without a lot of money to come up with Roark. They'd already gotten Deepman. They'd already gotten Homer Bailey. To me, they're one of the five winners as well. All right, so I don't mean to end on a downer here, but I do want to get your take on the losers. We, we've talked about teams that kind of sat on the sidelines. I mean, so is it easy to say the Red Sox and Yankees were losers at the deadline because they did nothing? Or should we, like, actually look at teams that tried to do something, just didn't do it very well? Right. Uh, you know, the Dodgers are at the top of that list, and I don't feel bad saying this since I picked them to win the World Series this year and many other years. Of course, I was wrong all those other years, but I'm sticking with them this year. Uh, you know, they've gotten the World Series two years in a row. They've held on to their best prospects. So, you know, I, I don't think they should feel too bad getting a little criticism from me, but they did not get any bullpen pieces, which I think they need. Now, they can move Maeda. They can move some sort of starters to the pen to help out their bullpen in the uh, playoffs. But, you know, I'm still a little leery of the fact they didn't come up with a bullpen piece I don't know whether they spent too much time on, on Felipe Vasquez, who I don't think Pittsburgh was really ever going to trade. Uh, yeah, I don't blame them for not giving up Gavin Lux or Dustin May. Those are two great prospects. Uh, they've been very smart about holding on to their best prospects. They wanted to do a deal with Kyber Ruiz, a uh, catcher, now that uh, Will Smith is up and doing a great job. But I, I think there were enough relievers out there that they should have been able to come up with one. The Braves, one of their main competition, came up with two. So... Uh, that's a little criticism there for the Dodgers. You know, obviously, you're Boston. They did nothing, and they've already flopped, so uh, i got to include them. St. Louis, I almost applaud them for doing nothing because I, I can't remember the last good trade that they made, so they may be better off doing nothing. Uh, you know, they're a team that drafts. That's a drafting team, and they do great with their drafts, but, you know, their, their trades, their signings. In fact, they're lucky that they didn't 
uh, make the trade for Stanton at this point or sign Hayward or even Pujols. Uh, they did the right thing. It turns out with Pujols just applauding him when he came back, but uh, they do not make good trades. So I, I think they're kind of a winner in not making trades, but they're on my losers list. So it's a little bit confusing. Detroit's my other loser. I, I really don't know what they're doing. Uh, they traded Castellanos and Green. Uh, I don't think they got much for them. I don't think the timing was perfect. Now, Green should have been pretty good. They still have a year to go with Green, so should have gotten more for him. And then, boy, to hold on to him, to me, doesn't make any sense. I know it's three years to go. Uh, they asked for Glaber Torres. They asked for big big-time players, but uh, they should have been able to get something big back for uh, Matt Boyd, who leads the league, or did uh, at the time, and strike out to walk a percentage, and again, has three years to go. Uh, you know, they hit some criticism in the Detroit Free Press. Uh, they weren't able to trade Fulmer at the right time, and he came up with the elbow injury. Before that, uh, they had chances to get Javier Baez, according to the Detroit Free Press, or Alex Bregman and didn't do it. So you wonder who they might have gotten here for Matt Boyd that they didn't do. But in any case, they got little for the two prospect, the two young players they did trade in Castellanos and Green. Uh, just like I felt like they got little for Verlander and some other pieces. So uh, Detroit, I think, has a long way to go. Well, continuing our longstanding policy of always ending on a downer, thanks to our guests again, Tori Lavello and Tom Hamilton. This is Big Time Baseball on Radio.com Sports. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.